2: Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hey, it's Flo, and here's my impression of a reality TV star explaining progressive discounts. So I was talking to Greg, and he said that they knew what Erica said about her when we were all on Marcus's boat. And I was like, you what? wait for a seer drama because progressive has discounts like safe driver multi-policy and paid in full so it's not like he said she said shut up whatever so basic you know
0: discounts to help you save more now that's progressive
2: but then he was all no way jose because his name's jose legit
0: progressive casualty insurance company discounts not available in all states or situations
1: Welcome to the RotoWire NBA podcast brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in one week fantasy sports. You can use the promo code RotoWire and get a free contest entry on DraftKings today. It's the first episode of the 2015 16 season, uh, the first day of October as we record here. I'm Nick Whalen, joined by James Anderson. James, training camps getting underway this week, obviously a lot to talk about there. We're still a little bit less than a month away from the NBA season. Um, I think the Bucks are currently practicing about what three three to four hundred feet from where we 're sitting right now uh, in Madison, just just near the Kohl center downtown. Um, and what is your level of, of NBA excitement right now a couple weeks out from the season?
2: Uh, I would say it's it's fairly high. I mean I think I don't really, really just start zoning in a hundred percent on the NBA until I start having my fantasy drafts and uh, the baseball playoffs wrap up. Uh, so probably probably another another couple weeks or or another month or so before I'm just all in watching watching a bunch of games and stuff. But uh, definitely excited to be talking basketball it's It's been way too long.
1: It's been far too long. Uh, what we're gonna do on these first two episodes of the season uh, today, Thursday, and tomorrow, Friday, is take a look at the Vegas over under win projections for each team. Uh, I think those initially came out back in June or early July, maybe right around the free agency period, and then they were updated earlier this week. So we have the new totals out, um, and we're just going to kind of go through and, and and guess the the over unders for each team. So neither of us have looked at them yet. Um, I will admit I did see one or two of them as we were putting this uh, this plan together, just just to verify that the numbers were correct. But for the most part, the integrity is still intact. So we'll do the Eastern Conference today. Um, and then we'll do the Western Conference tomorrow. So I guess we can get started right away and go to the Boston Celtics. We'll do the Atlantic Division first. and 40-42 last season, Um, a very deep team, an up-and-coming team, but not really a lot of stars on this roster. Um, What what was your guess for the the Vegas line?
2: I predicted 42 for that line. Uh, I think that they are – a consensus kind of back end of the, the eight playoff teams in the East pick. And I think, you know, 42 wins would represent that.
1: I actually went with 42 as well. Interesting. Uh, the actual Vegas total for the Boston Celtics, 42.5. Ah, All right. Off to a good start. Nice. I, don't, I don't know if we're going to get this close <laughs> much more going <laughs> I'll forward. i take that. 42.5. I think that sounds about right. Um, like I said, they were 40 and 42 last season, probably underachieved a little bit earlier in the year and maybe overachieved. Toward the end, I, I think 40 wins is probably about as good as that team was. I have some concerns. I mean, they made some additions, some additions that you like. You know, Amir Johnson, a good player. David Lee, a good player. But I, don't, I just don't know if they're just kind of reinforcing what they have already. You know, I, I don't know that, that David Lee is a ton better than, you know, than a focused and in-shape Jared Sullinger or, or a Kelly Olenek or even a Tyler Zeller. And I almost feel like they have an overload of, of kind of good, not great talent at a lot of positions i mean you look at the backcourt and avery bradley marcus smart rj hunter the rookie terry Rozier, another rookie um you know of course isaiah thomas even jay crowder can play back there and then you still have evan turner and it's just you know you have like i said you have a lot of good players but how are they all going to get on the court how are they all going to function together and are they going to come together to make this team you know an above 500 club
2: i think this would be this roster would be a complete disaster in the hands of a terrible coach Uh, because we've seen time and time again that when you have too many guys that need minutes and a coach that's not very good at kind of handling roles uh, that can lead to trouble but I think Stevens is probably the perfect coach for this roster I think that with I think they by my count they have 10 legitimate guys that should be playing roughly 20 plus minutes a game and I think that in the hands of a really good coach that can be pretty deadly so I'm with you. I don't, I don't really see a single guy on this team. That's, that's got uh star potential. I mean, I don't really think that I don't. who would be the first pick in a, in a fantasy draft on this team. Maybe, maybe Sullinger. maybe Marcus Smart. I mean, it's, it's kind of really low end production at, at those positions from, from the two or three best uh, fantasy options on this team. But I think in, in real life, they're going to be fresher than a lot of teams. You know, I think that uh, Stevens is going to do a really good job managing minutes. So, uh, definitely in in the Eastern Conference, I definitely like them to finish with a winning record.
1: Yeah, right. and they're still in position. I think you know for a lot of last season and into the off season, when you have as much uh, you know asset depth as they do, with with a lot of guys that would be playing bigger minutes for another team, you could always package those to make a move at some point. And I think you know the thought, like I said for the last couple of years, has been you know Danny Ainge is kind of waiting, biding his I, time, waiting for a move.
2: Well, I I think that their assets have kind of been overstated by people. I mean, like, I I know, like, Bill Simmons is a big Celtics fan, so he's always talking about, well, you know, what What about if we package, like, Marcus Smart and so-and-so, and then he's, like, targeting, like, really, really big fish. DeMarcus Cousins. I don't, yeah, there. I don't see Marcus Smart as being that much of a trade chip. I mean, he's obviously a valuable asset, but he's not a guy who just by him being in the deal is going to land you a top 20 or top 30 player, I don't think. So I think... They're really in a tough spot. I mean, I think they drafted a lot of these players, hoping that they would turn into assets. A, a guy like uh, James Young, that could maybe still happen. Uh, Marcus Smart, if he has a big year, then his stock could could go up. But I, I really think that they're kind of left, sort of in the middle, uh, which is not really where you want to be. I mean, they don't—they're not going to be bad enough to get a high pick next year and they're not going to be good enough right. to contend.
1: Right. They don't have that keystone piece that you could you know use as the big trade chip. You know, if they're going to make a deal at some point, it would have to be almost like a, a four for one or a five for two type of deal. They'd have just... to throw in
2: some future picks. Right.
1: And that I as mean... well. And they, they have no shortage right. of future picks. I think they own at least what, two or three of the nets next few picks. Mm-hmm. Speaking of those teams will that those in, be nice. Yeah. Speaking of teams that aren't in a great situation, let's move on to the Brooklyn nets. They were 38 and 44 last season. Um, still have that core of of Brooke Lopez, Thad Young, and and Joe Johnson. What was your guess for their over-under?
2: They were kind of a tough team uh, just because I I think that they're just really headed in the wrong direction. Uh, In terms of organizations, they might be like a bottom two or three team in terms of how I I see them uh, kind of playing out over the next five years. I went with 34 uh, for their over-under, you know, I would take the under on that. I'm just kind of guessing at where I think Vegas is going to slot them.
1: Right, yeah, that is important. No, we're, we're basing these on where we think Vegas is going to peg them, not exactly where we think they're going to finish. I went with 35 on this one, and it's 28-and-a-half. They were at 41-and-a-half going into last season, and this, this roster really isn't that much different. I mean, obviously right, you, I lose, mean, you lose Darren Williams, but like, is that that big of a loss? I mean, it's a bigger loss in, in name value, I think, than on-court value.
2: It's... Very interesting to kind of see Vegas adjust so aggressively on that because, like you said, they they won 38 games last year, so it's not like they were way off. I mean, I think they were a very obvious under going into right. next going into last year, but I mean, it's not like they were way off like like a team like maybe the Lakers or the Knicks were. So, uh, I <laughs> that 28 and a half is a very fair number. Like I, I I like I said, I would have taken the under at at 34. Twenty eight and a half to me is kind of a stay away because i think they, they they probably win 28 or 29 games there
1: yeah yeah i mean they were a team that played the hawks fairly well you know they played well down the stretch to kind of play their way into the playoffs so i thought this would be a little bit higher um they do have some question marks though so th- this is kind of one that yeah i think we both agree we thought Vegas would give them a little bit more credit right. than, than we really think i mean I, I think like you said 28.5 sounds about right i mean they got rid of Mason Plumley. All of a sudden, they're pretty shallow at just about every position. I mean, it, if Brooke Lopez gets hurt, this team could really, really tank uh, very quickly. I mean, how excited can you possibly get about a point guard combination of Jarrett Jack and Shane Larkin?
2: Not excited at all. And, Correct answer. you know, we, we were talking, I think, uh, or we were chatting the other day about about Ronda House Jefferson, who who hails from, from the great... Uh, basketball factory in arizona and it's it's kind of i i was making the case to you that he could be their fourth or fifth best player this year and and like you that sounds super homerish but
1: it, obviously Homer is not the right word you are not from arizona you did okay. not go to arizona. okay
2: yeah well whatever um go cats joe johnson thad young brooke lopez that's your very easy top three players on this roster. And then it's probably Jarrett Jack, I think most people would say, for, for fourth best. But, I mean, are you going to say that uh, Bogdanovich or Wayne Ellington Arnyani. or <laughs> or Thomas Robinson? I mean, like, uh, I, I think you can make a case that all-around players on this roster, I think Rhonda House Jefferson's in the top five just because he can actually play defense, which none of those other wings can say. Uh, obviously, he's going to struggle to score the ball, but – you know he's he's a competent athlete. He's a competent player, which which they're kind of lacking at that, that that wing spot opposite Joe Johnson.
1: <laughs> Just general lack of competence on this <laughs> roster. Um, you know the shooting guard position's a bit of a mess as well. I, you have Joe Johnson obviously, but I think he's probably going to end up playing more small forward, and and he and Bojan Bogdanovic can pretty much vacillate between those two positions. But I mean, you, are you really, you shouldn't be starting Bojan Bogdanovic? I mean, no. He's a nice a nice piece, a guy who had a nice year uh at times last season they played in 78 games you know shot 45 percent from the field you're fine with that but then you got Wayne Ellington backing him up I mean this is just not
2: I love Joe Johnson because he uh like they were talking to him I think at at, uh media day or whatever about about Darren Williams leaving and he was like yeah I was surprised I didn't think it was that bad here (laughs) it's like well what's your what are you holding like what's what are your expectations for for good and bad like I mean last year was pretty bad, like I don't know i mean what how are you on that team last year, and like yeah this is this isn't too bad, this is <laughs> what I'm
1: talking about well, you know I mean, I think it's a little bit easy for for Johnson to say you know a guy who's making or made twenty three yeah. yeah. million yeah, yeah, dollars yeah. uh doing what he did yeah. last season, but
2: <laughs> nothing in his life is bad no
1: no i just I just <laughs> think this team.
2: He got all the ISO plays. I mean, what else do you all want? All of them. Yeah, all of them. And he's going to get even more this yeah. season. I mean,
1: now that Darren Williams ISO yeah, game is We need out, a big but...
2: shot. All right, everyone clear uh, out. It's, it's ISO Joe time. Who's it going to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah who's I mean, I don't, it going to? <laughs> I don't
1: know. Would you take, if you had a gun to your head, did you take the over or under on that 28.5? Uh,
2: I think I would take the under just because... All it really takes is for Brooke Lopez to miss, like, 20 games, and I think that yeah, unders a lot. Exactly,
1: and that's exactly what I was going to say. Or even I mean, even if Joe Johnson or Thaddeus Young gets hurt. I mean, yeah. they're, they're just so and they're, starved for death. And
2: they're, they're absolutely not going to come close to upgrading that roster this year, and they probably downgrade it. I mean, they, they probably look to try to trade uh, a couple of those uh, – competent nba players at some point during the season if possible so yeah i mean i think i take the under there but that's that's a pretty good line
1: all right last note on the brooklyn nets i'm on joe johnson's basketball reference page which first of all has a glorious photo of him in a celtics uniform which uh (laughs) was almost before my time uh but his nickname here one of one of three nicknames joe cool big shot joe iso joe is not among them armadillo cowboy
2: hmm
1: the armadillo cowboy i think we need to run with that
2: there's there's a lot of great nicknames that you were unaware of if you if you go to a player's basketball reference yeah page. i
1: don't know what, what database they pulled those from but there are a lot of crazy ones all right new york knicks 17 and 65 last season uh obviously a, a highly publicized horrendous year for the <laughs> knicks um mellow's back healthy Kristaps perzingis is a guy he's there uh they added Aaron aflalo they added robin lopez to Huge upgrades given what was on this roster last year. I mean, not two guys you get Mm -hmm. super excited about, but massive upgrades from guys who were playing big minutes last season. What is your guess for the Vegas win total?
2: I'm actually kind of worried now. Like that that Nets one has me kind of rethinking things a little. Uh, Because you can make a case that I mean, the Knicks roster might be better than the Nets roster. I very much could. I actually put uh, 23 as my guess for them uh just because i yeah i, I don't know. i mean i don't i don't think they're gonna win many games i mean it's gonna be in the 20s for sure if right. it's not in the teens but uh, i went with 23 i went
1: i gave them a little bit more uh generosity went with thirty and a half. and so oh. probably not gonna have this much of a disparity on any other team the total is thirty one and a half. damn nice call yeah <laughs> congratulations to me <laughs> what a, what a call. Almost, almost guessed the next line this year yeah i mean you looked at the, i looked at the total from last season and this you know, I think there was a little more optimism going into last season. Uh, there probably shouldn't have been, but that was at forty and a half. And I figured if they gave him that much credit last year, they couldn't bring it down that much. So thirty one and a half.
2: I love that under. Um, oh yeah. The the thing that people don't I don't think a ton of people realize this. Like everyone uh, likes to likes to talk about like Derek Rose and all the time he misses and and Carmelo Anthony like very very quietly misses a ton of time like he i think he's had i think he's played in like 70 plus games like once or twice in the last like five or six seasons and you know he's typically kind of down in the in the mid 60s there so assuming that he doesn't crack that 70 game threshold and i don't know why you would project him to then they're going to be playing a lot of games with like a follow probably being their go-to options so i mean that's that's gonna be a ton of losses. Uh, I don't I don't think Derek Fish is a good coach. I I mean I don't think that's very controversial. <laughs> I don't no, think I don't think, think so Phil either. Jackson's got a very good vision for that team. I mean just I mean they're playing kind of like nineteen nineties basketball really and, in a in a league that's where everyone else is, is kind of taking leaps and right.
1: And Robin Lopez is not Patrick Ewing for this team.
2: No. actually I think Robin Lopez I might prefer Robin Lopez if I was building a team than Brooke Lopez just because I don't like the idea of building an offense around a, a low post threat that's not super, super elite. Uh, I like the, the kind of stuff that Robin brings to the table with, with energy and rebounding. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he's your maybe second-best player, that's that's not a good sign.
1: Right, and a lot like the Nets, like you said, they're kind of an injury away. I mean, if and Melo's the big guy – for them and if what if and when he he sits out at some point uh they're going to be in big trouble there as far as finding a number one scoring option the point guard position is obviously a big issue for them as well langston galloway <laughs> burst onto the scene i guess if you want to call it that last season jose calderon still around um you know a very efficient offensive point guard a guy you sasha, like as a, sasha Vujacic. sasha Vujacic <laughs> is back oh yeah
2: i thought that like i love I, this roster i was seeing quotes um like from their media day when like uh you know, people were like, "Oh yeah, Vujicic thinks uh, Porzingis was the steal of the draft." I was like, "Did they bring him on as like an assistant or what? Like what? Like what, why is he? Why is Vujicic weighing in?" And I was like, "Oh, he's on the roster as a player. That's cool." <laughs> Area
1: Porzingis expert, Sasha Vujacic. Well, speaking of Porzingis, how much of a difference maker can he be in year one? I mean, is he even going to play more than fifteen to twenty minutes a game? I, like I think I would I it.
2: would take the over on, like, 18. You know, I think that just given the makeup of that roster, unless they, unless they just want to give Serafin and O'Quinn a ton of time, then I, I think that he gets to kind of like 20, 22, 24. I did uh, just
1: read yesterday that the Knicks are, quote, excited about Kevin Serafin's uh, ability to score in the post. So. <laughs> he does have an underrated
2: post game. but uh, Underrated beard game like, as well. When you're the Knicks, like you play Porzingis as many minutes as possible to where you think it's helping his development, and so I, I think that 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 probably is in the low twenties.
1: Uh, well, the thing about the Knicks is they think they can contend for the playoffs. No, they do They do. No, they really they do. Don't. Of course don't. they do. They have Carmelo Anthony. They have to. Uh, you can't you <laughs> can't sit back and just play for the future when you have when you have. Uh, well, they like they can't, but
2: they also can't think that they're going to make the play like they, they I think can't rebuild but they
1: also can't be I think there like are Knicks fans the out players. there. I know there are Knicks fans out there who look at, up and down the East no. who look at the team who look at a team like no. Brooklyn. Knicks fans are smart. Are they you are. saying Knicks fans are stupid? No, I'm not saying Knicks fans are stupid. I'm saying that Knicks <laughs> fans are can be overly optimistic and you look up and down the Eastern Conference, Boston, I don't, I don't I think Knicks fans see that Boston roster and think, "Oh, we could be just as good as them. We have Carmelo Anthony."
2: Well, the Brad Stevens Derek Fisher gap, yes, that's is probably enough to make up for the Carmelo versus. If they swap like coaches, Thomas, if Brad man.
1: Stevens was coaching this Knicks team, do, do they make the playoffs? Do they sneak in as the eight seed?
2: Yes, I think so. And I also think that if Derek Fisher's coaching that Celtics team, they lose they about sixty games, possibly more.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't know what kind of leash Fisher's going to have as far as you know his contract and things like that, but. Uh, it's not going to be. It's not going to be a pretty season in New York. I'm not expecting big things. I mean, if Melo's healthy and, and if he can play upper seventies uh, as far as how many games, then things could get a little bit interesting. But they're not making the playoffs. All right, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. They were 18 and 64 last season. Uh, what is your projected win total?
2: So, it's you know, for all intents and purposes, it's basically the same roster. Uh, obviously, they don't start the year with Michael Carter Williams. Um, but they added Jaleel Okafor and I don't think adding a rookie like pounded it in the post center really does much in terms of your your win trajectory for a, for a team like the Sixers so I went with uh, let's see here I went with 19 and
1: a half I went with 18 and a half and this one is 21 and a half wow great Vegas loves the Sixers this year. Um yeah, I don't know. I pretty much agree with what you said. I don't think they got much better at all. I think they're you know, they're still stuck in that cycle where you know, the Embiid pick I think kind of set them back and you know, that's something that you can mm-hmm. you can blame them for taking that risk, but it was a calculated risk and had it worked out, we'd be probably having a different conversation right now. They probably would have went in a different direction in this year's draft and things could look a lot different for them, but I just don't know that First of all, I don't know that Okafor is going to be that good in year one, and you know, just not that many rookie big men are. Like and,
2: he's not going to be good from a, from like a per. Perspective. No, right, exactly.
1: Not, and not many rookies are. That's not that's right. not really an indictment on him. I just I don't know. I mean, do you trust a front court of Nerlens Noel and Julio Okafor, basically two true centers, uh, in, in, in a in in a situation, and one of them's going to have to be chasing around guys like Lamarcus Aldridge, like Kevin Love on the perimeter, and it kind of reminds me of the the Drummond Monroe situation that. Stan Van Gundy talked about over the summer basically saying like yeah we love Greg Monroe Greg Monroe's a good player but when you have a true center a guy who's better than him and Andre Drummond you can't put two centers out there because it's such a liability defensively it's such a liability for spacing reasons on offense so I think this could end up kind of Given both players' inexperience, given the guys around them, this could end up being a, a pretty rough year, and I don't think that, I don't think that would surprise too many people. <laughs>
2: you're saying it could be a rough year in Philly. Interesting. <laughs> um, I I think that I think that Noel and and Okafor actually complement each other pretty well long term. Like just because I think uh, you know Okafor obviously all offense, Noel all defense. I, I actually think Nerland's could chase around a lot of those guys that you're talking about. Um, definitely an injury risk I mean I think that the fact that he made it through last season fairly uh, healthy was was a bit of a surprise to me and at any moment he could could have a a serious uh, like ankle injury or something like that but I think that right now I I wouldn't mind his chances chasing around some of those guys that you mentioned but uh, the problem I think is just kind of the backcourt production Uh, just really don't see where that's coming from at all I mean it probably is the worst a collection of backcourt players in the league with guys like Isaiah Cannon, Kendall Marshall, uh, Nick Stauskas. Like, hey. I was trying to predict. I was trying to project Nick Stauskas'
1: minutes, and like, would it be
2: that surprising if he saw close to thirty minutes a game? I no, mean, no, not like, really. And
1: that this is this was the toughest team. You know, as we worked through our our season long projections these last couple of weeks, like, I I don't know. No one knows. I've read mm-hmm. so many articles about how this point guard situation is going to work out, and. Yeah, one suggests that Pierre Jackson has the upper hand. Another suggests that it's going to be Cannon. Another one thinks when Kendall Marshall's healthy, he's going to be the guy. So there are a lot of names on this team. I love the Sixers because they'll they'll just, like, soak up any, like, college guys who are kind of left on the scrap heap. TJ McConnell.
2: Well, we were talking about how it would be a lot funner if, like, instead of bringing in, like, just terrible players, like, uh, that have no future in the NBA, it'd be cool if they brought in guys who washed out of the NBA, but, like... You guys like Salim Stoudemire was one Ugh. of the names we brought up. Uh,
1: just, A.C. Laws, yeah, like, Scotty Reynolds. Just, just yeah. assemble like, basically a collegiate right. all-star like, slash yeah, NBA Like, like household
2: names right. that, that were cool in college and just have them come in and just kind of give what's, what's give it? the viewing public at least, oh, I remember that guy, yeah, you know, exactly. like instead of, oh, there's Jakar Sampson. Like, oh, okay. Um, yeah. But I, so, yeah, I mean, the, the one thing that – I feel like that 21 and a half is a stay away just because – they're they're kind of a team that obviously they've gotten a ton of heat for the way that they've gone about rebuilding, but one of these years they're gonna outperform their over under by about like ten wins. I don't think it's gonna be this year because they they still are like a piece or two or three away from being a, a competitive team. But uh, like with like we saw with like the Houston Astros in baseball this year, like when those teams that have that have put a ton of uh, time and effort into a, into a big scale rebuild like this. When those teams do kind of turn it around, it just happens sort of all at once. Right. And you know, if it, say you had a, a surprisingly good year from Okafor, uh, maybe you, I don't know, you get get some big steps forward from from Noel and, and maybe Robert Covington uh, continues to progress. Like you could see this team win like in the mid twenties of games. And I do think Brett Brown's a good coach, so uh i mean we have no real evidence of that other than the fact that he hails from the Greg Popovich tree but right. uh definitely wouldn't wouldn't really touch that 21 and a half line
1: no and they i think the the funny thing is i think when people when they started this big you know kind of gut it rebuild plan yeah you know, they were people expected them to really bottom out and it's like are they even going to win 10 games and mm-hmm. you know the last 2 years they've almost gotten to 20 and obviously that's not saying a whole lot but when you look up and down well, this roster like the the disparity in talent in this roster compared to you know, even some some teams that are trying to be good and are bad. It, it's impressive that they've really been able to win as many games as they have.
2: Right, and I think like the fact that they won eighteen games last year, and that was a team that was just—I mean, it was even significantly worse on paper, I think, than this one, uh, at least going into last season. So, I mean, I, I think that they they will probably be around that that twenty-one number.
1: All right, the Toronto Raptors—they finished last season forty-nine. And thirty-three. Uh d- didn't really finish on the strongest note, being swept out of the playoffs by Washington. They were just thirteen and sixteen after the all-star break. They lost Amir Johnson, but their big addition was adding Damari Carroll from the Hawks. Other than that, this roster is still pretty much intact. Gravis Vasquez obviously was traded to Milwaukee on draft night. What is your guess for the over under?
2: So I've been guessing over underlines or not guessing, but uh like predicting Over or under on the actual lines for a couple years now, in the NBA, and I every every single time I'm like just off on the Raptors and just don't want to even bet it. I'm kind of the same way with Miami Dolphins in in football. I just I can never accurately peg this team. I I thought that they would take a step back last year, Uh, they didn't overall with the with the 49 wins. I think that the the Carroll addition is basically. You know, makes up perfectly for the the loss of Johnson. So I really think this is basically the same team on paper. I mean, I think Joseph Vasquez is kind of a wash. So I went with forty eight and a half for the over under.
1: All right, I went with forty six and a half, uh, just kind of based on how they played in the second half and, and didn't look like that same team that got out to such a hot start. And I think they were second in the East for you know most of the first half until Cleveland really started to turn it on and Chicago you know kind of stayed consistent. The line that Vegas has, 45 and a half. So they're going a little bit light on Toronto. Um, I mean, I think this seems about right. I, I would be tempted to go slightly over on that, but I think 45, 45 and a half is like pretty much exactly where they should be. I think they'll take a slight step back. Um, DeMar DeRozan, I think, as an individual player, took a big step back last season. He was kind of the guy that people pointed to uh, as ready to take a leap, and it ended up being Kyle Lowry that carried this team for the for most of the season. The other guy I worry about is Terrence Ross, kind of, he just hasn't gotten any better. I don't even it.
2: factor him into how I evaluate this team, because I think that they're pretty much fed up with him, and I mean, I think he might play like 20 minutes a game or something. I
1: mean, is he like any better than Ben McLemore?
2: Oh, he's much worse than Ben McLemore, in my opinion. Like, I would much prefer to have McLemore I don't know, I think that's, like, that's almost a wash. And, um I mean I think you're you're not properly downgrading how bad Ross is like I think I think I think Macklemore is like a legitimate like player that could be your seventh or eighth man uh, whereas Ross like on a good team really should not be seeing more than 10 or 15 minutes a game I think I think the big uh factor for whether or not they go over or under that 45 and a half is does like does Valanchunas have another step like coming is he going to get better or is he the player that he is right now
1: right i think that's the biggest question for them is this front court you know when you lose amir johnson a guy i was kind i was glad they let him go i don't think they should have paid amir johnson i think he's a little bit overrated um and i I think he might be exposed a little bit with boston to be honest but now they're going to probably start patrick patterson at the four Yeah, a guy who's six seven six eight six nine depending on who you ask probably closer to six eight we'll say Six, six, six eight right and a guy who can step out and shoot the three i think they like that um and you know amir johnson was able to do that to an extent but i think they like patrick patterson more um but i mean is that is that front court going to really be able to hold up i think you, this is just not a, a, a roster that you look up and down and you say
2: well i what i'm hoping and what i'm sure fantasy owners are hoping is that this is the year that valence gets you know minutes befitting a starting center with his offensive game i mean we've seen uh you know, he's, he's been in the the league for, for three seasons and he's been between 23 and 28 minutes a game in those three seasons. And I think each year fantasy owners keep saying like, well, this will be the year that he gets 30 plus minutes. And I think looking at that roster, this better be the year that he gets 30 plus minutes because otherwise it's going to be a lot of, I mean, like Bismack by like if I could pick one player to just be out of the league like it would be Biombo, because I'm, I'm so sick of it. Like, I, I just – he's such a waste of space when it comes to, you know, basketball that's fun to watch, you know, fantasy basketball. Like, every time he's out there, that means that somebody else who would be much more appealing is is on the bench. And so if Valanciunas, once again, doesn't crack the 30-minute threshold, then that means Biombo's probably going to see 15 to 20 minutes a game. Luis Scola, I actually don't mind if, if he – Kind of gets those minutes instead of Biombo, but I think he'll probably play in some of the four too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think it kind of hinges on whether or not they're willing to kind of deploy Valentinus as we've all kind of wanted them to for a while.
1: If you're picking a team for a YMCA uh, men's 30 plus league, is Luis Scola a top 10 guy? Oh man, is I'd love, a top
2: five guy. I'd love to play with Scola. Uh, just so crafty, good you know, great, great team guy. Good base stays like, low to the yeah, ground. Yeah, you know th- there's definitely guys that you would not that you hate playing with. Like everybody that plays like pickup hoops, you're like, Oh, I don't want to be on that guy's team. And Scola would definitely be one of the guys I'd want to play with because you know he's gonna run up and down, uh gonna get a lot of a lot of hustle plays, someone that you could feed. I mean, YMCA, I mean, he would just be kind of a, an automatic in the post. So yeah, I mean, I think that's a good call.
1: All right, the Chicago Bulls, 50-32 and 32 last season. Uh, very much the same roster in, in most ways. The big change for them came on the sideline. Tom Thibodeau is obviously out, and now in steps the mayor, Fred Hoiberg. I put this one at 51 and a half. What was your guess?
2: I went 52.
1: 52. All right, so we're close on this one. Vegas has them at 49 and a half. Wow, so a little bit lower. Um, I don't know. What do you think the reason is for that?
2: I guess it's the new coach. I actually think the new coach helps them. Um, obviously, you're you're losing Thibodeau's defensive uh, expertise, but I really think that it, it can't be said enough how much he kind of damaged that team over like a three-year span with his uh, rotations and kind of his refusal to sort of develop the young pieces on their roster, his refusal to – Uh, take his foot off the gas with players like Joe Kim Noah and Jimmy Butler I I think that the fact that Jimmy Butler hasn't had a significant injury is is kind of remarkable given the amount of playing time that he's been seeing and I think that when people talk about Thibodeau as like a, a top five coach in the NBA I think you're just completely missing the boat because I think he'd I mean, he might be the best defensive mind in the game, but that's not all there is to to coaching a, a basketball team as, as the head coach. So I think that – I mean, obviously the Derrick Rose thing, I, I don't really want to talk too much about that because that's just been beaten to death. But I think that's not going to really affect them much. He should be back in plenty of time. Uh, the one thing I really look for, – I'd take the over there on that 49.5 because I think with with Hoiberg, you're going to see guys like Nikola Miritich who – I think might have been their their third best player last year. Um, maybe, I mean, yeah, I mean, behind Powell and, and Butler, I think he would have been the, my pick for their third best player. Noah will be up in there this year now that he's now that he's presumably healthy. But, I mean, Miritich is a guy that, that could take a big step forward. I also look for Doug McDermott to be used properly, uh, maybe get 18, 20 minutes a game as just a specialist on the wing. Tony Snell is another guy who I think kind of – was damaged by Thibodeau's refusal to kind of give him uh, significant minutes. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys uh, that supporting cast that could kind of take a step forward.
1: Yeah, well, both McDermott, well, I guess all three of those guys, McDermott, Snell, and Miritich should all have more opportunities because Mike Dunleavy's going to be out at least, it sounds, two to three months. And, and he even had some comments earlier this week, basically saying, I hope I can return at some time this year. So, that's a situation where we might have Dunleavy missing half the season. And and at that point, you know, that's going to be McDermott's chance that he really didn't have as a rookie. That's going to be more minutes for Miritich. And and I agree with you. I think Miritich, he he has his faults. I mean, there there were times he took some tough shots. His efficiency wasn't great. But I think he looked a lot better, um, you know, than a lot of people thought he would in year one. And I'm expecting a pretty big jump in year two. I'm not really worried about Rose's uh, orbital fracture or whatever it is. I think that's going to be all cleared up. By the time the season starts, that'll be old news. Are you concerned at all about this little mini Rose Butler beef that's been going on really since the end of last season? Uh,
2: not really. I I mean I guess I wouldn't. I mean they're they're kind of opposites, right? So I mean it's not that surprising that that they have have that going on. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not too worried about that. I think I think Hoiberg's good at at kind of managing egos. I mean he had a lot of uh, strange pieces come through <laughs> Iowa State. Uh, the one, the one guy though that like, Joakim Noah was maybe like sixty percent healthy at the end of last season, and and maybe like seventy percent healthy for the entire second half. If they get like, it, it wasn't long ago when he was like a top five MVP candidate. So if they get a bounce back year from him, and that's all hinging on his health, and I think that they're going to be careful with his minutes, but. You know, if they kind of treat him like the Spurs treat Duncan and just kind of give him like 28 minutes a game, uh, give him like some strategic nights off, I think that could really help kind of preserve him throughout the season. And if they can get him to kind of rebound as one of the best defensive players in the league, one of the best big men in the league, I think they get over 50 wins for sure.
1: All right, the Cleveland Cavaliers, they were 53-29 and 29 last season. We all know they got off to a bit of a difficult start. They were 20-20. and 20. In mid-January, on January 13th, finished 33-9, and went 17-3 and in the month of February. So finally started to hit their stride in the second half. I set this one at 56. What was your guess?
2: I told you that uh, this was actually the toughest team for me to pick. Uh, I guess it should have been the Knicks, who should have been my toughest team to pick right. based on how far off I was. <laughs> but uh the Cavs, I feel like they're the toughest team in the East to pick just because... There's so many factors that don't have to do with uh, how good the roster is that go into that line because they're going to be the most heavily bet team one way or another because of LeBron James being on the team. So Vegas has to account for where they think the action is going to go. I went 54.5 just because of all the minutes that they're going to miss presumably this year from key pieces Uh, you got to assume that LeBron takes some time off again this year uh, to get ready for the postseason. I assume that they're going to have, if not the one seed uh, locked up in the final weeks, at least like a top two seed. And, you know, I think it it kind of you're looking at that roster. There's still not a lot of reliable pieces in that backcourt or on the wing to go with uh, James and then Irving when he gets back healthy. So. I went fifty four and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher, but i I definitely wouldn't bet any higher than fifty four and a half
1: Vegas has the Cavaliers at fifty six and a half, okay, so a little bit they were fifty eight and a half going into last season that going into last year is even tougher, I think because it's kind of like the Lebron to Miami effect, you know you just mm-hmm.
2: well, and like everybody was just like the public at least was just so enamored with Kevin it, Love being there right, and yeah. that was. I thought. I mean, I I've always been on record as saying they should have kept Wiggins and not traded for Love. But I mean, they may not have had a choice with that if they wanted to get LeBron. That might have been part of the, the deal there. But I mean, I think that 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 still that looks even worse now than it did then, uh, given up all that control of a player like Wiggins, who m- right now might be just as good as Kevin Love from like a real life standpoint.
1: Yeah, that's true. That could all be remedied though if they win a title this year. I think that it's worth no, it. They won't. So they won't. No. <laughs> right. well, going on the record, we haven't I, even gotten I, to that I section am yet.
2: on the record they will not win a title this year. Does that mean it's going to be a Western Conference yes, team? Okay. That, that means there are like four or five teams in the West I would pick to beat the Cavs in the finals if we they match
1: up. Yeah, I think the, the injuries that you mentioned are the biggest reason I knocked them down a little bit. If if LeBron, LeBron's minutes don't really concern me as much as the Shumpert injury, I and mean, he's going to miss a couple months. Kyrie, we don't really know. It sounds like maybe Christmas for him.
2: But it's like pathetic that. The Shumpert injury is like, oh man, yeah, man, that really hurts. Because well, that would it's, hurt any team. Uh he's he's not that good. Like, I mean, he's he's fine. He's like, he's a guy that should be like their eighth man. He shouldn't be like a, a very very key piece. I, don't, I mean, what
1: what man is he for them? Six, uh, seven? Wouldn't would he be their starting
2: shooting guard if he was healthy?
1: Probably. I think yeah. him and he, him and Jr. Smith would kind of. Could could switch off there. I don't think they lose a ton by going to Jr. I mean, you get you right. get a better offensive player and a worse defensive player. I think Shumpert's just kind of that, you know, Swiss Army knife type of guy that you want. You can you can guard up to three positions, um, you know, up to four I, in certain sets, I guess. But
2: do you think the way that the Warriors, I mean, it's so hard to kind of say, well, the Warriors did this, so maybe other teams will do it because no team really has what the Warriors have. But the way that they went small with. Uh, Draymond Green basically being the the biggest guy on the court for a lot of the the second half of that finals, and that the Cavs had so much trouble with that. Do you think that that's a recipe other teams will try to try to use to to kind of negate the the Cavs size?
1: I think it will, and I don't think it's going to work because I don't think other teams have Steve Kerr. I don't think other teams have the versatility of a guy like Draymond Green. I mean, how many guys could fill in and do well, that role? Like, I mean, Draymond it, Green is built to do. That. It's not even. It's not
2: even Draymond Green it's it's just it's Steph Curry like you oh, have right. to get you have to double team him like 30 feet from the hoop so i mean that that really opens a lot of other things up that's why i don't think other teams will be as successful but i do think that that is really the best way to attack this Cavs team because they're what like four of their five best players are power forwards and centers so like you you want to go small and just make guys like Kevin Love and Timofey Mozgov kind of uh, liabilities really uh, on the on the defensive end and, and just kind of force the Cavs to make a decision of whether they're going to go matchups or talent and if they go matchups then that means you're going to see guys like Della and J.R. Smith out there.
1: How much are you concerned about the Tristan Thompson situation if this as of right now as we you know record here on October 1st still a deal not reached he's not at camp with them um you know obviously the two sides are pretty far apart as far as uh you know the money and what could end up being an extension is he the difference maker between them you know getting over the 60 game threshold as far as wins or even getting to the finals I mean how important do you think Tristan Thompson was to them you know coming close to to competing with Golden State you know without Kyrie and and Kevin Love
2: I think he's a lot less important with Kevin Love healthy uh because I just don't think the minutes will quite be there but I, it's it's really kind of a game of chicken, right? Where, you know, I think LeBron's got even though the the whole agent situation, LeBron's got Thompson's back here because I think he wants the Cavs to go incredibly over the tax because he thinks it's BS at how much little like NBA players get paid relative to their actual like real life worth to a team. Uh, So I think he'd like he wants the Cavs to just bite a bullet and just give. Given the you know the max or whatever there, and I don't know if they're going to do it. I think that Thompson would be wise to uh, just just not
1: take an extension if if they're not willing to do
2: that and just play it out.
1: On the positive side for Cleveland, the Cavs have been saying the right things. This hasn't really gotten to be an ugly situation, no. you know. And I think it's both sides understand where they're coming from. I mean, GM David Griffin uh, had some quotes earlier this week, basically saying like, "Yeah, if I was Tristan Thompson, I'd be doing the same thing." He's making the smart business move. Uh, I mean, we respect that. So, you know, it, as a fan of basketball and somebody who wants this team to to kind of rival those powers in, in the Western Conference, I think you got to be somewhat optimistic, but, you know, that deadline's approaching very quickly and this this could turn ugly. I don't know if it could, there's, you know, if, if they don't if they don't reach anything by this deadline, uh, things could get a little bit dicey. But the good thing is for the Cavs, you know, they have Anderson Vergeau coming back. Obviously, they have Mozgov. They have a healthy Kevin Love. So, even though Tristan Thompson's a very important piece for this team, they could probably still win the East without him, without much of a challenge. All right, the Detroit Pistons, probably a team that's not going to win the Eastern Conference this year. They were 32-50. and 50. Uh, Obviously, they have Reggie Jackson now uh, on a full season after that deadline deal with Oklahoma City. Brandon Jennings will be back at some point. They got rid of Greg Monroe. He's in Milwaukee. So now Andre Drummond is, is kind of the go-to big man for this team. What was your guess on the over-under?
2: I went 35 and a half with them. I think that that's an organization that's kind of headed in the right direction. I mean, it, it you can't go to Stan Van Gundy and expect kind of a, a complete turnaround to the first season when he's got so many pieces on that, that roster that don't really fit what he wants to do. But I think they're they're kind of moving in that direction. Uh, don't love Don't love a lot of these guys just from a context-neutral standpoint, but I think a lot of them do fit pretty well with what the Pistons want to do.
1: Yeah, I like the addition of Ersan Ilyasova for this team. I don't love him as a player, but I think he and Marcus Morris both fit what Stan Van Gundy wants to do better than the roster that he had in front of him last season. I think he wants to build this like that Orlando team, mm-hmm. and that's kind of the model that a lot of people point to when you look at a Stan Van Gundy roster, and Ersan isn't going to be 2009 Rashard Lewis, but he's much closer to him than Greg Monroe was. And you know, like I referenced earlier, Van Gundy went on the on Zach Lowe's podcast over the summer and and he he just talked about how Monroe wasn't the right fit for this team and how Monroe's a good player. But Monroe, as a guy who can't shoot outside of ten feet, you can't have two guys on the floor like that, of Drummond obviously being the other guy. And you know, now you have a situation where you're spreading the floor a little bit more. You have one guy in the paint rather than two. So I'm excited to see how it works out. I think they have the potential to be a a decent team. I mean not a team that's really gonna contend for much other than, you know, eighth or ninth place in the East. But they'll be a lot more interesting to watch and probably a lot less frustrating to watch for Pistons fans. I was right with you, I put thirty-five for this one and Vegas has them at thirty-three and a half.
2: Okay. I'd take All the so I'd take the over there.
1: I would take the over, you know, not by much. I think they could get to thirty-six or thirty-seven if if things break the right way. One thing I found interesting is they're gonna play Reggie Jackson and Brandon Jennings together in mm-hmm. certain lineups. Van Gundy, you know, said Reggie Jackson's big enough, he can play the two and that's true, but how much do you like that pairing relative to their other options?
2: I don't like it. I, I think, you know, I I've always thought, or at least for the past three years or so, I think I think Jody Meeks is pretty underrated. Uh, I think he's better than Contavious Caldwell Pope. I think that the way that he can stretch the floor is is kind of unique in that backcourt because I don't I don't think any of those other players, uh, the point guards included, are are all that efficient from, from long range. But with Jennings and Jackson, I, I it's it's like, what are you going to do? Like, obviously, I think they want to play Jackson 30-plus minutes, and you're not going to play Brandon Jennings 18 minutes. So you kind of have to have them out there at the same time together. Uh, be interesting to see how, how good that lineup works, though.
1: Do you think Drummond can take that next step to go from offensive rebounding slash dunk specialist slash, you know, just basically – a you know a dumbed down version of DeAndre Jordan I guess and you can make the you can make the argument that Drummond's you know arguably just as good as DeAndre Jordan but can he be more of a an actual scorer rather than an opportunist where he grabs a rebound and puts it back up you know can they feed him and depend on him to be that complement to Reggie Jackson?
2: Uh, I I really don't know how much is left to project. I mean I it, there could be a, another big step coming in his game but. I just I don't know. I'm so wary of those those centers that that have those those skills and weaknesses that, that Drummond has. I, I I would take Jordan over him, uh for sure, just, just based on the defense there. I mean I think there is a, a little bit of a gap between those two on that side of the court, but I, I don't know. I mean I think he's he's still probably their best overall player, uh which May not be saying a ton uh, for fantasy purposes. He's he's obviously great.
1: I mean, would you be shocked if he was an all star this year? But the Eastern Conference had Paul Gasol as the starting center last year. You figure the Hawks aren't going to get four all stars again. I, I don't think that would be. It's shocking.
2: It's so dependent on team wins. I don't. I don't think it yeah. necessarily should be as dependent as it is on team wins. But it's. I mean, they're not going to be. You know, a top five or six team at the halfway point, so I think that there's going to be somebody. I mean, you could put, like, Al Horford as – I don't know if they could kind of fudge it and put him as the center. Uh, I mean, he's going to be playing a lot of center for the Hawks, so I think that that one probably makes more sense.
1: Yeah, Drummond's going for his third straight season of leading the league in personal fouls, so uh, something to keep an eye on there. The Indiana <laughs> <laughs> Pacers, 38 I'll Follow wins. that one closely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Indiana Pacers, uh, they are 38-44 and 44 last season. I think they were better than I thought they would be somehow. I think Frank Vogel well, was a pretty good coach, he's, and without he's a Paul really George, good coach. yeah,
2: I, I think the the fact that they won uh, 38 games last year with that roster is probably you could make a case that was the best coaching job in the league last year because it's basically their current roster minus Paul George, minus Monte Ellis, with Roy Hibbert and and David West. I mean, all oh right, and and David West, and but like a lot of those their key guys they weren't playing them a ton of minutes like i think i think they. i don't think they had a single player over 30 minutes a game last year so i mean it was a lot of george hill a lot of cj miles uh some rodney stuckey mixed in there uh really just kind of a a a terrible collection of players and the fact that he scraped 38 wins out of that it was very very impressive which is why i have them at 40 and a half this
1: year 40 and a half i went with 39 Vegas has them at 42.5, so Paul George is apparently worth quite a few wins to this team. I would be very hesitant to take the over on 42.5 wins, especially with this Paul George playing power forward situation. He doesn't seem super thrilled about that. I think that's understandable. I also think this team doesn't have too much of a choice because, right. uh, I mean, if Miles Turner is going to probably end up seeing big minutes for a pretty raw center out of Texas, a guy that Larry Bird called probably their best three-point shooter. That's not a good sign. That's that's um,
2: such a a garbage quote, by the way. Like, obviously he's not. He's probably not one of your three best. He shot twenty seven percent best. last. Like, year. like that's such a like transparent dig at the rest of the players on the roster. I Maybe. think
1: Larry Bird like not so secretly just hates this roster, and he really doesn't like this collection of players.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think he's he's very tempted. He's. I feel like he's one of those guys that just wakes up. And like every other day when he wakes up, he wants to just quit because like, he's just so sick of this impossible battle to, to turn this team into a contender.
1: How much are you worried about Paul George's productivity suffering if he ends up playing as many minutes as they say he's going to play at Power Forward?
2: I don't know. I'm, I'm not that worried about it. I think that there's so many teams in the league where that's not going to be all that taxing on him and when they do play the teams where that's going to be a, a pretty big issue, I think that they'll do things to make sure. I mean, like, if they play the Grizzlies, they're not going to have Paul George guarding right. And, so Right, exactly. That's the
1: thing. I think it. I think there's a little bit more attached to it than, you know, if you take right. it at face value, it's, well, how is this going to work? You know, Is he going to be posting yeah. up every possession? Like, he's not going to be posting up. He's going to be playing well, like, close to the same game yeah. that he was going to play when he was playing small forward.
2: LeBron James plays a ton of power forward, yeah. and Paul George always guards LeBron James when those two teams play. So right. it's not... Yeah, I mean it's it's not that big of a deal, I don't think. Uh,
1: I almost think it could be more of a off court chemistry issue. You know, if Paul George take doesn't like playing power forward, that could, that could be where it hurts him more than on more than an on-court
2: thing. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they use Monte Ellis. This is the second team he's played with, where he's it's a very smart organization with an excellent coach, and yet they sought out the services of Monte Ellis uh because he can score in bunches was that the
1: it? biggest like desperation signing of the offseason <laughs> um the mavericks made a couple of those actually
2: yeah the mavs uh there was some center uh that was signed for just an absurd deal i'm Aaron to, Baines? no um uh-huh. i mean that was a bad deal too <laughs> but uh Daniel Dallenbert. I mean, Dallenbert. D'Alembert was Petula, bad. That yeah. might be the, the Pachulia one. That was a, that was a great. So two great Dallas signings. Yeah, saying, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think they had to sign Monte though. Like, who else is scoring on this team besides That's the Paul? Do you George? like
1: this? I mean, we everybody knows Monte has his flaws, but do you like this roster more with Monte on it than without him?
2: Yes, I because think so too. I, I think that the. The construct of, of Frank Vogel and his staff is going to make this a good defensive team, whether the pieces suggest that or not. I think that they're going to play on Mahimi more than anyone wants them to just because of what he does for that defense. And as a result, I think that that's going to kind of hide some of the weaknesses uh, to, on the perimeter defensively.
1: Right. I'm just looking forward to seeing Miles Turner at All-Star Weekend three-point shootout. Hell yeah. hell yeah there.
2: maybe in the skills competition he could do it all <laughs> He
1: can do it all all right the walkie bucks 41 and 41 last season you know everybody's talked at length with what a surprise team that they were and everyone everyone <laughs> well they were i mean they really were and you know they they now come into this season with expectations for the first time this is a group of guys uh, a relatively young core obviously and you know, guys who maybe haven't even been in the organization too long i mean. They traded away their most tenured player in Ilyasova, and now it's kind of the new era there. So, I don't know how Monroe fits with this team. There's been a lot of discussion about that. I think I think he could end up fitting pretty well. I don't think it's going to be a disaster by any means, but it's a new it's a new piece. It's a new dynamic to an offense that didn't really have a low post scorer at all last season. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, hats off to Zaza Pachulia for the job he did as a starting center, but I think you like Monroe quite a bit more as, as a low-block scorer, so I'm interested to see how that added dynamic of having a guy that you kind of have to dump it down to uh, a lot of the time. I mean, Greg Monroe commanded a lot of possessions in Detroit. He's going to do the same in Milwaukee. He has a better supporting cast around him, but there's a lot of there's a lot of shifting pieces with a big signing like Monroe. So, yeah, I'm very, I'm very interested to see how that pans out. I pegged them at 45-and-a-half wins. What did you have?
2: I went 43-and-a-half.
1: All right, Vegas has... 43 and a half. There we go. Is that our nice. first exact one? I, I'll take that. Yeah. Well done. I know um, the Bucks, man.
2: I know my. I know <laughs> the Milwaukee Bucks.
1: If there's one thing James Anderson knows, <laughs> it's guessing Milwaukee Bucks, Las Vegas Lions. I've the biggest question, obviously, is Monroe, and we, we just talked about that. Another question is, can this bench be as good as it was last season? I mean, of, of all the good teams in the league, I think Jason Kidd had the longest bench, and he was willing to mm-hmm. have a night where. You know, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Chris Middleton, you're only going to play in the low twenties because OJ Mayo and, and Jared Bayless have it going a little bit. And if you Johnny, at, o his, right, Johnny O needs his Johnny O needs his run. Don't even. If we, <laughs> we'll do a separate podcast about Johnny O'Brien. We are not talking about that. I I think he could end up being waived before the season starts.
2: I went one of the games I went to uh, last year. He was the starting uh, power Mascot, forward, I believe. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, uh, I, he started, I need to, he started I need to stop, the game. I need to stop publicly the, trashing. The people
2: I was with were like, who's that guy? And I was like, oh, Johnny O'Brien? Who is that guy? <laughs> who, who's he? I don't know who he is. Oh,
1: <laughs> I mean, I think this team is just as deep as they were last season. Um, a little bit deeper, maybe even on the wing. Obviously, you get Jabari Parker back. He's looked good so far in camp. At first, it looked like they might even be holding him out until January, but he's pretty much been non-restricted. As training camp gets underway for Madison this week. I know they've been holding him out of one of the two a day sessions, but he hasn't really been uh, limited when he is on the court. So that's certainly a good sign. They get Damian Inglis back, a guy who missed all of last season. I know we saw him out in Vegas when we were there for summer league, and he didn't look great. He was, you know, apparently coming off of a
2: He might hopefully he was playing down to his competition.
1: Yeah. I mean he was that was bad. that
2: was just a bad like hour and a half of my life that I really <laughs> wish I could get back. Uh, cake it hour and a half plus I think about forty dollars I spent there on a on a beer and a ticket for just some of the worst basketball I've ever seen <laughs> really really regretted that decision it in Vegas down. pool access you know a lot of a lot of gambling to be done a lot of you know, i i would have I would have preferred to just be napping in my room, really, and and just really never going to be able to get that that time <laughs> of my life.
1: Well, luckily, I had the I had the credential for that game, so I don't have the opportunity cost or the, the buyer's regret, right. I guess, of of purchasing the ticket. Which the tickets are a little overpriced, and to be fair, yeah. you get the full session, but yeah. you don't want to stay for more than the I don't want to meet
2: the the poor sucker that, that paid that ticket and then no. stayed all day to watch that that kind of basketball. But no, um, and Johnny
1: O'Brien wasn't even playing; he wasn't even suited yeah. up when we no, went. So it was too I, bad, right? All the good action wasn't there. <laughs> how big of a jump are you expecting from Giannis and Michael Carter-Williams from a three-point shooting perspective? That was the biggest question, um, you know, kind of at the end of the season was, you know, both of these guys played fairly well for what they were at that point, Uh, but the biggest knock was just they couldn't shoot, and, you know, there are times when you have, if Henson and Pachulia are on the court together, and Carter-Williams and Giannis are out there with Middleton, you have one guy who the defense has to worry about as a three-point shooter, and, you know, given that it's Middleton, that's a guy you obviously need to track, but, I mean, it got to the point by the end of the year. I wrote something on on basketball about this, where Giannis, the like, guys, just weren't guarding him on the perimeter, and you know, he would get a kick out. I think there's one video I remember. It was late in the season against the Pacers, and somebody kicked it to Giannis in the corner, and CJ Miles, like literally, walked out there with his hand up and, mm-hmm. and like even hesitated. It was like just shoot it, and Giannis missed it. And that that kind of thing can't happen. And spacing reasons are one thing. The other thing is it just limits what Giannis can do off the dribble. When you start, when the guy is guarding you four or five feet off, he has an advantage in being able to get to the spot before you're going to get there. And, and Giannis has you know, probably the longest step in the league, which we've, it's been on display for so long, but he turned it over a ton in the lane last year, a lot of charge calls, just because the, the defenders, even though they're not as quick and can't cover as much ground, they have that four or five-foot advantage because they're starting off of him, and it just it kills what Giannis is able to do off the dribble. So if he can even shoot it at a... A respectable thirty percent clip, or just be a guy who's a, he doesn't even have to make them. And he just has to attempt them and make the defense step out. It's going to open up so much more.
2: Right. All you are really asking these guys to do is kind of shoot it the way that Draymond Green shot it for the Warriors, where it's not a just in a vacuum. It's not a good shot because you want you want your three point shooters to shoot better than thirty five percent ideally, but you want it to be something where the defense isn't just gonna like lazily kind of give it to you uh if i had to pick one of those guys to sort of emerge as a you know 32 to 35 percent shooter from deep it would be honest just because we saw him uh in his rookie season shoot 34 and a half percent from behind the arc i think it's it's all kind of confidence with him and that to me that was the most frustrating thing it wasn't his lack of it wasn't his inability to make them it was his refusal to kind of shoot them in some scenarios and not even just like three-pointers but like open you know long twos like it's not a great shot but like you're you're a developing player you got to take those shots and you got to you know sink or swim on that i I really think that that's going to open up so much more for you if you if you can make those shots uh michael carter williams really hard to just go out on a limb and predict that he'll be a 30% shooter considering it's it's been – I mean, he's so far away from that given his track record. We were talking in the office kind of saying, you know, if you had to pick a member of that buck starting five that doesn't get to 30 minutes a game this year, who would you pick? And to me that's Jabari Parker just because I think that he – is the biggest liability of the bunch by far like defensively and so i think that that's going to kind of limit his run and you throw in the fact that he's he's coming back from that injury Uh, he'd be my pick would that be the way you'd go to
1: he would probably be a close second to carter williams okay and part of that is pessimism on my part that carter williams is going to develop a jump shot if he can be a reliable three-point shooter or even semi-reliable three-point shooter then i think he's close to a lock to see right around 30 minutes. But then you also have the addition of Vasquez. So you're bringing in you know, a guy that they they traded an asset for, a mm-hmm. first-round pick for, a, a guy that you're not just going to bring in to put on the end of your bench. And he's kind of the antithesis of Carter Williams. I mean, Vasquez was top 30 in the league and made three-pointers last season, a guy who's certainly not afraid to shoot them. Um, so I, I think you still have Jared Bayless on this team. You still have Tyler Ennis, who's, who's probably not going to be playing a whole lot. But there's just a, there's a little bit more depth at the point guard spot where I think – i think jason kidd would be fine if carter williams is in the in the mid to upper 20s and you know vasquez and, and bayless are both in the high teens and minutes there so i think that's kind of where that could work out you mentioned Giannis just has to shoot the ball he doesn't have to shoot it well and one of the huge issues for the bucks last season was just their their inefficiency at the end of the shot clock after they traded brandon knight when you had three mm-hmm. or four guys on the floor if oj yeah. mayo if Moje mayo wasn't out there like it was right. a disaster. That, like, who's going to take that shot? That's and, the
2: big thing. Is like a lot of those shots he wasn't taking. There were like five seconds left. Right. on the Right, and, and then
1: all of a sudden, like, yeah, it's not a good shot. Like Giannis was, was shooting under twenty yeah. percent from three. Like you don't like Giannis taking that shot, but when there's seven seconds on the shot clock and the alternative is, you know, a, a, to a, someone who's right. well guarded, Saza Pachulia, like, yeah, yeah. spin, spinorama, eight footer, like you, you'll take the odds on the Giannis yeah. jumper. So that's what it is more than anything else. It's just not passing up. What are good looks for a a good look for a bad shooter is better than a bad look for an average shooter. I yeah. think.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you, that's what you kind of hope happened during the off season is you hope that he took enough he shots to where
1: like you want
2: you want him to have confidence. Like I don't really care. Like if if we're at the All Star break and he's shooting like twenty seven percent from three, like that's less important to me than if he's still passing up shots like that.
1: Right. And it, it, I don't know if there's a per game number that he needs to shoot for or anything like that. It's just a situational some games he might need to take five three-pointers and he might make one of them. But if mm-hmm. they're if they're good shots and I think I think the Bucks are fine with that and you know, I think from a fantasy perspective you you got to be fine with that as well. All right, the Atlanta Hawks, they well, I have the, I have them at 51 wins. I'll say that right away. 51 and a half actually. They they got to 60 last year. Uh, right up there with the Bucks is one of the biggest surprise you, teams. You have him
2: 51 and a half? I
1: have fifty one and a half. 51 and a half. That's what I have too. You have 51 and a half as yeah. well. All right, Vegas as the hawks at 49 and a half. Oh. So 10 and a half below their actual win total last year. I
2: like the over there.
1: You like the over? I I don't know. I was never really much a fan of the Hawks bandwagon. I thought it was a I I a, love I love the Hawks. I think that they're like just such <laughs> a great
2: a great uh example of just perfectly deploying uh, like some, some of the parts, I mean, it's it's just so beautiful to watch them play basketball. And I love the fact that everyone's going to be underestimating them again this year. I think they're going to get a top three seed. Uh, obviously, the Damari Carroll loss is something you would point to and say that it definitely hurts them. And I I would agree with that because you're looking at a guy like Thabo Cephalosha is probably the guy that steps in as a starter there. But I think Dennis Schroeder probably takes – uh, a bit of a leap this year and it, it's going to be tough for him to get the amount of minutes that he deserves uh, because you're not going to sit Jeff Teague and you're not going to play those two together all that much but I think he's going to be one of the more uh, electric bench players in the league this year
1: so you said you would take the over on that 49 and yeah. a half how how much are you willing to go over like what do they get to for a win total like
2: I would say probably 53 is kind of what I'd peg them at
1: um, you think that's good for a top three seed
2: I do, I mean, well, who who do you think's gonna? I mean, like we well, saw the Bulls. I, we'll get, we'll get at, to like, Miami in a bit. There's the Bulls are forty nine and a half too. I I think the, I think I I think I had more confidence in the Hawks getting to fifty three than the Bulls getting to forty three or fifty three, uh, just because of what they kind of have in place uh, with Bud and the, and the system they run, and I mean, you look at Teague, Corver, Millsap, and Horford. Those are some of the more efficient players in the Eastern conference. And when they're all out there together, like they just don't mess up. Like I I saw, you know, the Bucks played them a few times last year. I was at one of those games and you just kind of like look up and the Bucks are down like eight or 10 points. And you're like, well, what what's even happening? Like, I don't remember the Hawks doing anything special, but they just don't screw up. And like, it's, it's such a weapon to have Korver out there, uh, I mean, it's it's kind of a shame for him that, that Steph Curry's also in the league because everybody knows Steph Curry's the best shooter on the planet. But Korver is so ridiculous uh, from long range and a, any scenario, like catch and shoot, pull up, transition. I mean, it's, it's really ridiculous what he does from behind the arc. So, yeah, I mean, I love kind of the foundation they have in place. I definitely think they get over 50.
1: I don't think they take a huge step back, but there's no way they're going to do what they did last year. And no, I don't but think they, that's they their, won 60 games. Right, I don't like, think that's their. Ex- <laughs> I don't think they're expecting to do no. what they did last year either. But I think I think you might be underrating the loss of Damari Carroll just because of who's stepping into his place. And you mentioned mm-hmm. Davoscephalosha. It's it's not that like not that Carroll was that great. I mean, he was very integral to what they were last season. I'm, I'm not taking anything away he from that. He wasn't a weakness. I think it's the right. It's the the replacement value of who steps in is it's a massive downgrade.
2: I just think, yeah, I mean i'm I'm kind of banking like like I said, I'm picking them to win fifty three games, seven less than they won last year, so I'm definitely factoring in the Carroll loss there, uh but I think Schroeder does uh kind of emerge as maybe a a dark horse like six man of the year candidate,
1: yeah, and they also added Tiago splitter too to yeah. to, to shore up that front court. Mike Scott kind of up in the air right now with his legal issues, Antich not really around anymore. How many all stars do they get this year?
2: Well, what did they get last year, like four?
1: Too many four. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> See, I don't really I'm so torn on that. Demari because Carroll is not an all star. Did he make it last year? Yes. Oh? Didn't that's, he? I don't think so. Did, oh wait, no, he didn't. He was the only he was the only yeah. one not to make it, right? It was Millsap. Wait, Did
2: Corver even make it? I thought it was just Teague, milsep and Horford. No, they got four. Okay. Well to me, Teague and Horford should be locks. To make it in the Eastern Conference, personally, I think that uh, just kind of given the the other players in that conference, I, I don't even think either would be locks to make it in the West, and they probably neither,
1: neither would be close in the West. Horford maybe. I
2: think Horford's really maybe. good. I th- I, lo- um, I love
1: Al Horford too, but the West is just that good.
2: I think it's like a, a really kind of a a sign of progress if Corver gets close to being an All Star because I think that he's just so incredibly underrated. Uh, it's it's you're shaking your head but it's it's so insane what he does for I know an and I recognize like,
1: that I just don't think he I don't think he's like a, a perennial all-star type of player and he he brings such unique value to a team not he's a team better league at league.
2: shooting than almost any other player in the league is at what they do
1: best that's true that's one way to put it yeah I mean and I it's shooting I, I mean have shooting have is problem. pretty important right I didn't have a problem with him necessarily making it I was on board with Corver making. it I just didn't think I didn't think they deserve four All-Stars. A team that just they got swept out of the playoffs had four All-Stars.
2: Didn't they have the best record in the league?
1: At the time? I don't know if it was in the leagues. Golden State was right there. But they had, def- they had by far the best record in the East at the time. Well,
2: you also have to look at the
1: East. And it's like,
2: I don't know who yeah. the players you're like arguing for <laughs> were.
1: Brandon Knight was like the cutoff guy. Okay. So, so like Brandon <laughs> Knight got
2: snubbed. It's like, okay, I know, whatever. I know,
1: I know. I'm, I'm kind of digging myself a hole here as we start <laughs> to talk about the, the other guys that could have been in there. Yeah, so... Yeah, I mean we can agree they they wouldn't have gotten four all-stars they might not might not have even gotten two in the west. almost I think
2: every single team in the league would take Kyle Korver or Brandon yes. Knight.
1: Yeah, I mean if you look at it from like, you know, we already have, you know, if you have a guy that you're you're shored up at shooting guard and small forward maybe not, but yeah, I think there's not a team in the league who doesn't want Kyle Korver on their roster. Like right? right. that's right. that goes without saying. And, and any any contender in either conference
2: would find a way to get him around 25 yes. to 30 minutes a game.
1: Yes, I mean, are you worried about him at all? I mean, he is getting old. He's a guy who looks much younger than he yeah, actually is. He's true. been around for a while. He's getting older. To be fair, I mean, the way he plays, you know, shooters you, tend to their games tend to age pretty well. Although he is fairly mobile, I mean, he, you know that he he must do a lot in the offseason to ton, keep yeah. himself there's, in There a big article I think Grantland did going into last year about the, the ridiculous training that he does. But you know, kind of limited with the injury he suffered in the playoffs. He might not be able to train as hard as usual so it might take him a little bit to get into the swing of things i just don't know if this team shoots like 38% from 3 again like they did last year like everything broke correctly for them until the playoffs
2: i, I mean think. i just think this is one of those rosters that is going to be for the next you know for the foreseeable future a really good regular season team that underperforms. It in could the playoffs. be it
1: could be the Pacers from a couple of years ago. They'll get there. They'll run into LeBron and in the well. Loops.
2: I I actually think the Pacers were built better for the playoffs than this team is. I just think this is the type of team that runs into you know a five or seven game or a seven game series there, and it's it's going to be tough well, for them to to kind of pull it out when a team has that long the kind of game plan yeah. against you. They're the type of team that hits you when you have had one night to kind of prepare for them, and you are just not at all well, they equipped do,
1: for it the big narrative around them is you know they don't have a superstar that everybody contributes and everybody everybody does well and the team succeeds and like and that works so well in the regular season We've i buy them into those. them
2: kind of being the spurs of the eastern
1: conference right. i mean right but they i was gonna say this they the warriors play that way the spurs play that way but the spurs have Kawhi leonard they have tim duncan the warriors have a collection of superstars the hawks don't have anybody who's quite to that level it doesn't uh, work that system doesn't work when you don't have superstar level players i'm i'm
2: conceding it doesn't work in the in the playoffs just because of like but I I think that you could make a very strong case that overall a guy like Al Horford is at least on the same level as Kawhi Leonard and just based on the numbers I mean I think everyone would take Leonard just because he's he's younger and he's he's a better defender but I mean to say that they're that far behind the Spurs in terms of star talent before the Aldridge acquisition is is a little off I'd say
1: yeah, I, I guess. Well, what separated the Spurs? You know, like for they example, have like, more.
2: They have more bodies, and they yeah. have, they have Popovich. I mean, I, I like Bud a lot, but they have Popovich, and like the the Hawks really have like five uh, really really quality players. The Spurs have had seven or eight in their their title runs.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, you, you look at the playoffs last year, and it got by the end of that series against Cleveland, Atlanta's relying on Kent Bazemore yeah. and and big minutes from like Mike Scott and Mike Mscalis. So yeah, the depth is definitely the issue there. Let's take a minute to talk about DraftKings before we finish up the Eastern Conference. Still a little early to be playing uh, NBA on DraftKings, obviously, even though the preseason starts next week. But fantasy football still going in week college four. Football. College football, get I into, know that's getting in day. on
2: some college football, man. I'm telling
1: you, is that is that where the money's at?
2: That's I've not lost money. I've played DraftKings pretty hard every single week of the college football season. I've been up every single week. Uh, you can really. We have such great stuff on on the site at rotowire.com. Uh, Mario Puig is probably the best in the business at, at DFS college football, so that's where I'd recommend you go. But, I mean, NFL stuff, definitely definitely worth your time as well.
1: Yeah, like I said, week four, DraftKings will be hosting another Millionaire Maker event. This time, $1.2 million goes to first place there. You can actually enter the promo code rotowire on draftkings.com, then you can play free with your first deposit. That promo code again is rodeowire, and again you get free entry on DraftKings with that first deposit. This is not fantasy as usual. This is DraftKings. Welcome to the big time. All right, let's finish out with the last five, or four teams, excuse me, in the Eastern Conference. We'll start with the Charlotte Hornets. They finished 33 and 49 last season. I got them at 37 and a half this year. What about you? I'm at 38
2: and a half. 38 and a
1: half. All right, Vegas has 32 and a half. Ooh, Ooh, that's much lower than I would have thought. I mean, I guess they don't—they're maybe sick of giving Charlotte the benefit of the doubt. Um, Well, they
2: won like how many games did they win two years ago? Like
1: not that many. No, they were in the playoffs.
2: They won. I think they won forty more, forty or more games. They were the
1: seven or eight. Because they got they got swept out by Miami, the final LeBron Miami team in the first round. So they they were a playoff team two years ago. I think coming into this season. I don't know if it was supposed to be a breakout year, but I think they were expected to at least kind of stay in that seven to nine range in the East. And obviously things went South pretty quickly. There. I think
2: they significantly improved their yes, roster.
1: I think so too. I think you're looking at additions of Nick Batum, Frank Kaminsky in the draft, Spencer Hawes, Tyler Hansborough, Jeremy Lamb and Jeremy Lynn. So a pair of Jeremy's coming in. Um, I don't, I don't think you get too excited about any of those names, maybe Batum and, and obviously, you know, us around here, Kaminsky. Um, but I just don't know. If they they didn't add like a big piece that you that you say okay this guy adds five wins to this team.
2: No, I mean I think in the Eastern Conference though, I really like the over on thirty two wins for them. Yeah, I mean they're yeah. they're a team that's gonna be closer to forty than thirty wins. I you know I think Cody Zeller is is not good, and I think Kaminsky gets more minutes this year than zeller does i think kaminsky's game is is one that can translate kind of right away for them uh give them something they've never really had in terms of a, a stretch four to compliment al jefferson really like kind of the way that he he compliments jefferson there but to obviously a, a big upgrade over what they've had at, at shooting guard in past years not having lance stevenson i think is huge for them i mean he <laughs> he was so so bad for them last so year. so bad like he cost them probably like four or five games in the first month of the season alone so uh not having him as huge uh kid gilchrist always a, a better in real life than fantasy guy and uh like kemba walker plenty too
1: yeah i was looking at their shooting guard depth and that was that was kind of my concern because they got rid of gerald henderson who i don't like at all but he's a guy you can at least throw out there and <laughs> Yeah, now you look and it's exactly what you do. You can just throw him out there and see what happens. <laughs> know, some, sometimes he's gonna be tossing balls and hitting yeah. fans in the face, but you, you kind of take the good with the bad. Uh, but I do like that that hypothetical lineup that puts Kid Gilchrist or Batum, whoever you like really, as the two. Those guys can kind of just mm-hmm. play the wing. You know, I don't think either of them would have much of a defined role, but you know, Kemba, Batum, Kid Gilchrist. Uh, Kaminsky and Jefferson. I like that lineup a lot. I Dude. mean,
2: you've all of a sudden got two legitimate shooters in Batum and Kaminsky. Right. So and I, that, I that, that was that their biggest nice. problem yeah. last
1: year. I mean, they. Yeah, they were the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Only 17% of their attempts came from the corners, and you're like good teams in the league are right around 30. I think the Bucks mm-hmm. were right over right around 30. They they weren't a great three-point shooting team from a volume perspective, but percentage-wise and efficiency-wise, they were good. Golden State was right over 30%. So the best teams in the league and the teams that shoot the most efficiently, I should say, in the league hover in the in the upper 20s and in the low 30s. And 17% of the attempts coming from the corners just tells me that they weren't running efficient offense. And I don't know if that's more on Kemba. I don't know if that's more on shooters not being on the floor and not getting to the right spots on the floor. And, you know, in a lot of ways, they kind of ran into the same problem that Milwaukee had. But Kemba Walker's a streaky three-point shooter. Gerald Henderson is not a good three-point shooter. Kid Gilchrist is, you know, even worse than Giannis as far as catching and shooting. Like, he, I mean, he won't even get out there. It's, it's not going to happen. So I they're, they're an interesting roster because whenever you have a guy like Kid Gilchrist – in your starting five and playing major minutes he's a specialist you know he's a Tony Allen basically Mm. a little bit more versatile because of his size a better rebounder but he's just a non-factor on offense that worries me a little bit because you just can't have those guys playing huge minutes on really good teams you mentioned the Kaminsky uh and how he compliments Al Jefferson do you think they're going to end up starting together or Zeller starts the season as a starting four
2: I don't know that's something I'd really like to have come out of camp soon uh Kaminsky is the guy that I think makes the most sense starting along Jefferson if you think that that can work I mean I it really wouldn't surprise me like the list of rookies who aren't point guards that I could see getting 30 plus minutes a game is is very small I mean I think Okafor is probably on that list Towns is probably on that list uh Kaminsky is a guy that I I wouldn't I wouldn't predict it but it wouldn't surprise me either just given How bad I think Cody Zeller really is and how terrible of a fit he is with Al Jefferson. Uh, I don't see them playing Hawes and Jefferson together at all, and it really might be Marvin Williams versus Kaminsky for those minutes on the floor there.
1: Yeah, I... I'm not, I'm not excited about Marvin Williams. I'm going to go on the record <laughs> and, and say that, just get that out look, of the table. I don't want, look, I want full transparency. Look. All
2: right. We'll write this down. Uh, Waylon's not <laughs> excited about Marvin Williams. I
1: feel like I've said this going into every season. I, I don't know. I, I would like to see what Kaminsky, he's a true five, right? He, he played the five throughout college and it was a little bit of a different situation, um, you know, out Wisconsin and, and with the offense that they run. But I think he can, I think he can play both of those spots and, the biggest thing for him is just going to be able to knock down outside shots, right? Mm. I mean, we you've probably watched Frank as much as anybody and as much as I have over the last couple of years, and his post moves are, would you describe them as crafty, slow? I mean, they're they are not moves that you say, oh, he, he's going to roast defenders at the NBA level, and I think they'll work He to has moves. He has moves. Like, I mean, the fact that he has
2: moves puts him ahead of at least half the big men in the NBA. Because, right. I mean, there's so many guys that don't even have moves. Like, he, he doesn't have, like, Okafor's moves, but he – you know, if he gets a guy like, say, I don't know, like Paul George. Say well, that's, he gets, that's what I'm saying. Like, you,
1: you like him at the four because right. he can take advantage yeah, of Yeah,
2: if he gets a guy like Paul George or Harrison Barnes or someone like that on the block, he can roast those guys. I don't think he's going to roast, uh, you know, an opposing legitimate defensive center. But I think that if he gets a smaller body on him in the post, he can definitely take advantage. And I think I've always said, like, the biggest uh, kind of underrated part of his game is that – with his three-point shot that you have to respect, he has really deceptive speed getting pass guys on a blow-by after a pump fake and, you know, if you get a guy closing out hard on him, he can get by them and take it to the rack and I think that you're not going to see that coming in a lot of cases.
1: Yeah, the pump fake might be the most underrated part of his game. He used that a ton, especially last season. I think, you know, in his junior season at Wisconsin he kind of caught caught people off guard with, with how much of an improvement he made and how integral he was to that team, but you know, By his senior season last year, everybody knew what, what his role was and what he was going to do, and the pump fake became even more important because as guys were rushing out at him, he was able to use it, like you said, to get to the hoop, and oftentimes just you know, a move that you see all the time, especially in the NBA, the pump fake and draw contact and get free throws. And he's a good free throw shooter. Um, and Like you said, I think, I think he, him playing the four alongside Jefferson is where his value is going to be because it creates so many mismatches, and teams that like to play big are going to have to chase him around, and, and that's where he's going to be able to make his money. All right, the Miami Heat. I have them at forty six. They only had thirty seven wins last season. Uh, I think they, they underperformed after the break, after the the acquisition of Dragic. That coincided with Bosch going down, and and things kind of went south for them. But a lot to like here. I don't. I wouldn't say they're they're pegged as a surprise team. I think on paper they look like maybe the second best team in the East. What did you have for a win total for them?
2: Hmm. Are we allowed to adjust these on the fly, or should I give you what? I've As long I, as you, you
1: haven't have looked at out. it, I don't care. You can adjust it. I, for, for all I know, this is your first guess.
2: Oh man, this is a really tough team. They're they're kind of up there with the Cavs in terms of. I, I could see them just being extremely trendy, and that's why I went with a line that I think might be a little too high on them. I'll just I'll just say it. I I <laughs> I'll just go out and How say. How high it. is it? Like sixty <laughs> five. I I put fifty two and a half for them. Fifty two um, and a half. Yeah, I really think that they're just one of those teams that it it has the line if if it's not. Above a certain point, Vegas is just going to get too much action on the over, so I went fifty-two and a half.
1: Vegas has the Miami Heat at forty-five and a half. Okay, so they're sticking a little bit more conservative, a little bit closer to where I was at with them. I,
2: I think that line. I don't think it would up. shock
1: anybody if they won fifty games. Uh, I also don't think it would shock anybody if they maybe aren't quite as good as people think they're going to be. Any team that's depending on Dwayne Wade to I
2: don't think they are though. I like, think they are. I like, think they still are. They can use him. The fact that they got Justice Winslow and the steal of the draft allows—I mean, the, the, their biggest problem last year—and I, I was way too bullish on them last year, just because I think Spolster is maybe the most underrated coach in the league. Like, they just didn't have good players. Like, and it wasn't like when Wade wasn't on the court, they were often playing just really terrible. Do you players. not like James Ennis? <laughs> um, but like, they have Justice Winslow. Gerald Green's, like, a legitimate NBA player. Uh, Josh McRoberts. I really like the Amari Stoudemire yeah, were, That
1: That's not something you often hear in 2015, right. but he was, like, sneaky no, really good last he's year. he's
2: very efficient on offense. Uh super good. Uh, I mean, they they just have, it seems like, twice as many legitimate NBA players as they had last year. And, you know, the Dragic thing, you're going to have an entire training camp to kind of get that uh, sort of ingrained in the offense. I mean, I, Chris Bosh is really, really good. Like, if, if he comes back and is... The same player he was before missing all that time. Uh, I mean, he could swing. I mean, he could bump a team's win total up like six or seven games just defensively. I mean, people underrate how how good of a defender he is, can guard both positions. Uh, Hassan Whiteside, all he really needs, he doesn't even need to take a jump. He just needs to do what he did last year.
1: Yeah, I think he's going to do that. I I think the fact that he made it through this offseason without a hint of any kind of off-the-court issues, I think that's the biggest concern with him um and he bulked up and i don't know if you've seen pictures of him mean, he is jacked now i mean he was big last season but he's actually cut now it looks like he dropped you know a little bit of unnecessary weight and his arms are massive so i this this is the biggest challenger to cleveland for me i think watching the way that cleveland sliced up that atlanta team and i think atlanta takes a step back like we just talked about i think this is the, the team that'll give cleveland the best run who who has a higher ceiling uh the heat or the bulls the heat okay
2: yeah, the, I, I think I, I'd go along I think if everything,
1: chart. I mean, this is such a hypothetical, but if everything breaks right for them, they could win over 50 games. I mean, when Gord Drogic is content with where he's at and healthy, he's super good. Dwayne Wade, when he's healthy, still a very efficient player. The health, I don't really want to count on for anything. But again, if everything breaks right, this team looks really good. And you mentioned that they added so much depth on the wing. I mean, Gerald Green as your third shoot, or short, excuse me, third small forward, I think you have to like a lot. Justice Winslow... I've backed off on him a little bit just reading some some stories from camp. I think D. Wade kind of hinted that you know, he's like, yeah, he's, he's not quite ready yet. So, yeah, I don't think Winslow's going to step in and play huge minutes. But at the same time, I think of any rookie that you like contributing to a what could be a very good team, I think it's Winslow, right? I mean, even but, if he's not
2: – Yeah, I mean, this is like a perfect situation because he doesn't have to – that's why I'm still pissed about the the Wiggins trade is because that would have just been so perfect for him to kind of come in – and just sort of learn under LeBron. Uh Winslow gets to do that under Dwayne Wade. And if he's not ready, then they have Gerald Green. I mean, I'm counting I'm counting like eight like legitimate NBA players that should be playing twenty plus minutes a game mm-hmm. on this team, and that's like twice as many as they had last year. Uh just really like the the fact that they're more prepared. Like that that could have been the biggest criticism. Uh, going into last year is they just weren't prepared at all for the inevitable Dwayne Wade uh, missing time. And some of the guys that were running out there last year was just really gross. Right. Uh, and I they're, think...
1: pre- they're prepared at every position this year yeah. now, too. It's not just shooting guard. I mean, we t- we talked about how they beefed up the front court. Josh McRoberts really didn't give them anything last year, so he's kind of an X factor, a-, a guy that a lot of people love after his last year in Charlotte. He mm-hmm. was really good. He um, shot like 42% yeah.
2: from three or yeah. something. Yeah,
1: this team could yeah. be very, very good.
2: Uh want to ask you about Spo? uh where is he a top three top five coach for you like where would you kind of have yeah because oh, i well, think got, he's I mean, got
1: randy whitman number one uh <laughs> fisher two skiles. No, skiles. skiles skiles oh he's back i forgot yeah. about scotty Yeah, we'll get to him like the, right. the magic are yeah. our next team actually i i think he's definitely borderline top so five. i think pop kerr stevens uh
2: carlisle and then I, I think like Vogel and Spo. I don't know if I'm missing like anybody. Are you missing Stevens? Is he? Is he yeah, above no, Spo? Uh, no, I no. I would take Spo over Stevens. Okay. Um, just I just don't think Stevens has the track record yet. Okay. I mean, Spo's done a lot. Uh, I honestly think getting those, getting LeBron to buy into a system that wasn't the LeBron James system is one of the greatest like coaching feats of this decade. So, uh. I think you could make a case that he's top five. I might put him in my top five, maybe not top three. I really love Carlisle, really love Kerr, uh, but I just think he's he's probably the most underrated of that bunch. I mean, Stevens is underrated, but so so many people write about Stevens and talk about him as one of the best young coaches in the league. So I don't think he's going to be underrated much longer. I think Spo, though, people just kind of assume those were LeBron's titles. I really don't think he gets those titles without. Spolstro there,
1: right? And we saw even immediately in Cleveland, and obviously him and David Blatt have seemed to work things out. But as soon as that season got underway, there were rumblings that LeBron and Blatt were disagreeing. And it's just a testament to to Spolstro whether it's an on-court or off-court thing, he was able to manage LeBron you know, from an ego standpoint, mm-hmm. from you know the type of team that they're going to be standpoint, better than any coach has since LeBron came into the league. I don't think there's really much of a debate there. So. And I don't
2: think that's ever going to happen again. No. Like, there's there's never going to be...
1: Unless, like, Popovich or Coach K was coaching the Cavs, I don't know if there's another <laughs> coach. And <laughs> yeah, seriously, there, were, there yeah. were Coach K rumblings, yeah. and I'm sure they'll be back sometime this year.
2: But, like, would you... Like, obviously, LeBron would listen to Coach K, but do you think Coach K would even have the balls to, like, install some sort of system like Spohead had where there wasn't, like, a bunch of LeBron isos? Like, I don't even know if he would do that. Like, that's a good question out of respect I don't know. for LeBron like right. I feel like he would just be kind of like well what do you want to run LeBron and instead exactly. of telling him this is what we're running this right. is how we're going to win a title
1: yeah I don't know Popovich I think would do that right. Coach K I don't another full disclosure I don't know Coach K personally <laughs> uh, I just want to get that out there I don't know I haven't asked him about this yet yeah. but I know I I think it would be more of a give and take I think yeah. I think Coach K would be in charge because I think LeBron really respects Coach K from Team USA but I also think that Krzyzewski would be willing mm-hmm. because he seems to really like LeBron himself and I think he, he's a guy who and, and you know Kyrie is, a, is a, a disciple of Coach K so I think I think it'd be much more of a give and take but this is super hypothetical yeah. way, off the, way off okay. the trail okay. Let's all right back on track. two more teams left the Orlando Magic they finished 25 and 57 last year this was top three toughest because there's so much to like on this roster so many like so many names that you can get somewhat <laughs> excited about one in particular for you I know is Aaron yeah. Gordon yeah. Um, big fan. What what was your number on them?
2: Uh 27 and a half.
1: 27 and a half. And I actually hit this one on the head 32 and a half. Wow. 32 and a half. Yes. So our, my first one uh, right on I think you had one. I well. like that. The Wizards um, might be the decider. Um, I like
2: I like the I like that Vegas is cuz I would have gone definite over on 27 and a half. Um hmm, that's that's interesting. I didn't I didn't think that they would uh be that bullish on them just given their track record of complete mediocrity recently uh like you said i mean this starting five actually looks like a legitimate starting five
1: it does i don't know if they'll turn into a legitimate starting five because this is basically the same team that they had last year you get another year of development for each of these young guys i mean even vucevic is still young um you're know, definitely the most dependable mm-hmm. player on that roster last year you get another year for alfred payton another year for oladipo tobias harris is back aaron gordon and and now you're throwing Mario Hazonia in the mix. Not a guy that you probably are counting on to, to make a huge difference as a rookie, but I mean, still a, a high lottery pick and a guy that will be... I mean, you know, he can
2: stretch the floor. Right. I mean, he, he went that high for a reason. I mean, they don't have... A, they really don't have any shooting um, no. other than Hazonia. And I. Aaron Gordon, a lot of rumblings about him uh, really developing a legitimate three-point shot uh, at Summer League, and I, I definitely kind of buy into that a little bit, but... Uh, Oladipo, Peyton, Tobias Harris—these aren't guys you want taking a ton of threes. So I think Izonio was a really nice fit there. I thought it was a maybe a slight reach to fill a need, but I, I still definitely like the the need that it filled. Uh, Evan Fournier too—he was good when he was on the court last year.
1: He was, and they also added Shabazz Napier—a uh, little bit of depth to that point guard spot. Not a move that I really minded because I, I think you know, Shabazz I was, was a little bit—he was a little bit misused maybe yeah. in Miami last year. That was never really. The right fit for him and i mean they still have i mean
2: whenever you can have two former arizona wildcats in the front court i mean that's that's really i mean you're doing you're doing it right at that point shanning fry probably gonna offer them uh some some solid minutes off the bench as a stretch four backing up aaron gordon there
1: whatever i don't, I, I don't good luck talking me into that one i don't um they also have greg steamsma uh if we, if we really want get, to get into things here with that front court but they are deep i mean they you even have guys like Dwayne Deadman who ended up starting games for them last year. You know, not a guy that you love, of course, but they have some depth. They have some experience. Even if you're third and fourth, they center, even have Dwayne Dedman. They even do it. Yeah, they, he's <laughs> a USC guy, right? They got, um, yeah. So I mean, the Magic, I think, could go could go either way. As much Are you as taking the team.
2: over or under on that thirty two and a half? That's
1: a good question. Um, I think I'll take the under. I think they get to like thirty one. I think. There's something I think about I this do, team that, I think like, I do too it's I, shocking when you look at that record. They, they were so much better than a 25-win team, right? Well, it's
2: I guess it kind of comes down to how good of a coach you think Scott Skiles is. I think Vegas, by this line, thinks that he's a really good coach. Uh, obviously, Jock Vaughn was one of the two or three worst no coaches guy. in the league last year. So, you know, when you see a team take a huge jump without really adding a ton in terms of talent, I mean, they're adding Aaron Gordon, essentially, because of all the time he missed last year, but uh you usually look to the coach like the coaching upgrade as the reason for that big jump in wins. so if skiles has kind of, i didn't like him with the bucks but if he's kind of figured it out in his time off uh then maybe you can make a case that they do make that kind of a jump but i'm I'm with you i think i'd play it safe and take the under
1: i think a lot of people like scott skiles as a coach and from an x's and o's standpoint you know a good defensive coach but they don't like the way they that don't he like his, his player interactions, and right. that's why I and think that's this, why this is this such is a, a young
2: team. This is such know. a funny match for right. him because exactly. it's like, and it's kind of sweet because he doesn't have a veteran to go to at any of these positions. Like C.J.
1: Watson, he can't be it. like
2: he can't be like, all right, C.J. Watson, you're gonna you're gonna be our starting point guard. Well, he now. could do that, <laughs> and he might do. <laughs> no, <that>. he can't. <laughs> um, I mean, like he can't like l- like unless he was just like, all right, it's gonna be the C.J. Watson, Shanning Fry. Uh, and jason smith show like
1: i mean that i would watch that show. he's gonna give
2: jason smith way too many minutes this year <laughs> i kind of like a, jason smith to be honest he's a guy that like
1: i think jason smith is one of those hate to play against but one on your bench type of guys um but yeah, yeah that,
2: you want him on your bench right you want him to on stay your on bench. your bench <laughs> you, want him, you want him you want him on that bench stay over
1: there unbelievable <laughs> all right last team in the eastern conference uh, we will do the western conference on friday but we'll finish out with our 15th eastern conference team the Washington Wizards, they finished 46-36 and 36 last season. I went 46-and-a-half on this one. How about you?
2: I think I'm going to hit this one exact. <laughs> Walk, a shot. Walk-off shot. 43-and-a-half.
1: Uh, 45-and-a-half. <laughs> you're going to get to edit that one out next. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, uh, you know, not quite a Babe Ruth effort there no. for you calling that one. But, yeah, I think <laughs> I don't <laughs> – I don't know that this team made much of an improvement, but I also don't know that they lost a whole lot. You know, you lose Paul Pierce, but that's about it. I think
2: that is a lot though. I mean I think I think it think was in the, the playoffs. The, the the Paul Pierce to Otto Porter is is just a to me It depends
1: a, how much better you think
2: Otto Porter can get. I don't think he's ready to be to step into those shoes. Like I think he would have been ready to take on a bigger role this year off the bench. I don't think he's ready to step in on a team that's got you know, aspirations of, I mean, maybe they have aspirations of going to the finals, but definitely winning a playoff series. They have those kind of aspirations. Uh, Definitely don't think Otto Porter's ready to kind of step in and handle that kind of a load. Jared Dudley probably gets a good chunk of time there. And I I don't know. I I think Beal is a guy who, to me, is really kind of underwhelmed relative to my expectations for his career arc. Like, I thought that at this point he would be kind of, closer to where Clay Thompson is than where Beal actually is right now as a player. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. And Nene is only going to get worse. Uh, They didn't really do anything to to kind of back that spot up unless they're going to give Dudley a lot of time at the four. Uh, Gortat still, I mean, he's, he's kind of the same player. Wall, I think is kind of, I don't know how much he's improving year to year at this point. So I I think the rest of the East got better. I think that they do take a, a bigger step back than Vegas is saying I take the under there
1: yeah I think they finished right around where they did last season I think they you know they're kind of in that that tier two with Toronto with Atlanta and Milwaukee could could possibly jump Don't in put there
2: Atlanta in that tier Atlanta is tier. not in that Atlanta tier. is going no. to be in that tier okay well uh I will tier I will two, bet you
1: the cows are their own tier I'm saying the Hawks are in the a slightly- Hawks are in the tier with the Bulls and the Heat
2: that's a tier, and then the Bucks are in the tier with the Wizards, the, and Raptors. the Raptors, and uh, the Celtics, Boston. and yeah, the Hawks are I not could... in the tier with the Wizards and the Raptors. They're not in that tier. We'll see.
1: No, I don't. I mean, yeah, you're probably right right now, but uh, I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I really think Atlanta's going to take a bigger step back than you think, and. it's – and you know maybe they won't. We're gonna we'll have say, to. I, we're
2: gonna have to throw a bet on. Yeah, this. we've got please. a bunch of bets that are outstanding. I don't that even remember. Nobody's what collected on. The, um, I mean they usually either involve a drink at Bucks or a, a case of hams. Uh, same. So price. we're not, we're not really missing anything here. I mean it's probably you know seven or eight dollars give or take.
1: I got hassled again um, when I tried to buy a case of hams <laughs> this past weekend by the, the Cap Center local grocery store cashier guy. Like this has happened multiple times, so I'm used to it by this point. But I was I was like distracted. I think I was looking at something on my phone, and he's like, "Oh, you really want this?" I'm like,
2: all right. So, what was your what was your Hawks prediction on them? We it was forty nine and a half. What did you say it was going to be?
1: Uh, I I guess fifty one and a half.
2: Oh, we were on the we were right on the dot with we had the same prediction there. At yeah, fifty one and a half. Um, so, I mean, how many wins do you think they win?
1: I think they win. 50 wins. That's how many 50 wins, wins they
2: win. And I okay. Um let's let's uh let's make the line on that 51 and we'll we'll throw uh a drink over at Bucks on it.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 completely fine with that. I wouldn't be shocked if they I wouldn't be shocked if they went over, but I also wouldn't be shocked if they went under. I mean, are they going to have the health that they had last season with, you know, all five of their their starters playing at least 70 games? there's there's factors there, are, there factors. are factors yeah teams don't just make these huge leaps and with no superstars and just all sustain they it.
2: all they have to do is not regress by more than nine wins that, and, yeah, I win and when that, you put that, it that
1: way then, like, then it's, <laughs> like so i mean i'm factoring it, in the regression yeah uh, yeah I, maybe i don't feel as good about this as i did a little bit ago but this is our big they, this
2: is our big disagreement from from the eastern conference yeah. pod is are the Hawks? A I think I just legitimate. harbor this
1: like I I just resent these these storylines of look at how cute it is. Everybody's I, playing so I love, well. I, I hate that. Is. I can't stand that. I love it. I I live for the ISO ball in the playoffs. I, <laughs> I hate it I, so much. Man. I lo- love to see that team get nothing swept. I know they the Hawks organization or anything like that. I was just glad that it was over. Like the way the Warriors played last year and the way the Spurs played the year before that is, is <gasps> just they, perfect basketball. Yeah, and it is, but they have superstars that make it work. Yeah, in but the, playoffs. the Hawks are the Hawks are doing the best. With they what got they swept out. <laughs> Stop swearing on the podcast. You don't have to edit damn out, do you? <laughs> maybe I don't know. I don't think so. It depends. What what DraftKings draft DraftKings is a cool
2: company or <laughs> a hip company. Don't don't <laughs> chill the <to> DraftKings <laughs> right
1: now. All right, anything else you want to talk about with the Wizards? The last thing I wanted to touch on was just the front court. You said they didn't make any improvements, and that's super true. I I don't love where Nene's career has gone no. and is going. Gortat is a guy you you'd like to have on the team, but not a guy you want maybe well, as a starter. So
2: like, let me put it to you this way, like. Is there any scenario where they have a second all star on this team?
1: If it's anybody, it's Beale, and that means he's going to make a significant jump.
2: Yeah, so you're you're betting on a big jump from Beale if you're going to say this team has two all stars. Like so, Drew Gooden
1: is going to play a big role for this <laughs> team. That's a problem. He's going
2: to play a role, which is too big of a role. That, no, they're, Chris Humphreys, go he'll, a, he'll a, play. A,
1: oh. a Wizards writer I, I followed the other day just tweeted out a picture of a, like Randy Whitman was like taping off the court into like a box on the perimeter, and the writer was like, this is where Whitman wants his stretch four, parentheses, Drew Gooden, to, to play this season. Yeah, like, Oh, a,
2: no. What a stretch. <laughs> We've seen this it's before. It's a stretch that he's a stretch for. Exactly.
1: It really is. All right. Anything else you want to talk about? No. No. All right. That should wrap it up. Um, like I said, we will be back doing the Western Conference over-under. I'll guessing. do better on those. I I
2: really know the Western Conference. All right.
1: That's a James Anderson guarantee. Yeah, that's, a, that's a guarantee. All right. Thanks for listening. Again, we are sponsored by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. If you go to DraftKings.com and you use the promo code ROTOWIRE, you can get a free first deposit. DraftKings, this is not fantasy as usual. Welcome to the big time.